Chapter Nine of The Old Ladies by Hugh Walpole. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Nine: The Sense of Danger. Mrs. Amherst had recognized as she walked up the high street after leaving Mr. Agnew's office that the hardest crisis of her life had come upon her. She met it almost as an old friend because she had been for so long expecting it like many other brave and spirited women it had always been the little things in life that had shown her weaknesses to the big crises she had always risen as the swimmer braces himself for the crest of the green towering wave during the walk home she was dazed though she might have suspected the actual splendour of the annual thousand pounds she had not in her heart doubted but that there would be a hundred or two and a hundred or two would make all the difference and now there was nothing save a silver matchbox back in her own room she seemed to be standing precipitately on the edge of a dark and bottomless oubliette what lay down there how deep was the fall she realized with a flash of surprise that for years now she had expected that one day her cousin would do something for her although she had never uttered the thought in outspoken words she had always when funds were creeping so low as to be almost invisible known that at any rate there was cousin francis now there was cousin francis no longer it was fit and proper punishment for her she recognized that the thought hurt her now that her visits to her cousin had been frequent only because she had expectations but she was no sentimentalist she did not allow herself the luxury of self-chastisement without justification she had gone to see him because she was fond of him because she was sorry for him and because he was the only relation left to her in the world save brand the only relation she could not have believed that his death when she had seen him so seldom could make her now so lonely she wondered at her own loneliness why had she when she was by nature gregarious loving her fellow-beings made no real friends in the town it was she supposed her pride her dislike of revealing her poverty her hesitation at being unable to return hospitality but what would she give to have a true friend near her now after her conversation with agatha payne her courage for a moment failed her she felt old and worn and desolate and all that day she must clench her teeth and refuse to look either to the right or to the left beasts in the jungle on either side of her then next morning at breakfast time a marvellous thing occurred there's a letter for you mum said mrs bloxham coming in with her hat askew and her accustomed air of bustling energy and that poor miss bellinger is terrible bad this morning sufferin something cruel and all because she would go to the station yesterday against my advisin her to there and i shouldn't a had said nothing about it mrs amherst took the letter and trembled through all her body she did not hear mrs bloxham's voice nor see the room nor the rain-driven day beyond the window-pane the letter was from her son the envelope was covered with stamps addresses inks blue and red and green and that strangely mysterious and yet intimate handwriting conveying the information not known here try chester street she gazed at the envelope for a long time and swimming up from beneath deep waters murmured to her companion it's from my son mrs bloxham at last after two years 
mrs blotsam paused her arms akimbo her cheeks were suffused with generous pleasure is it really mum well i never at last after gazing at the envelope for a long time she had the courage to tear it apart it was not a very long letter but she caught it up and kissed it then held it against her cheek the address was monterey california and then the date she looked at it again and again to make certain that she was correct pushing her reading spectacles up and down her nose at last she said you look at that mrs bloxham i make it out january four eighteen ninety five and this is february eighteen ninety six it must be wrong the letter can't have been a whole year coming she would not allow the letter out of her hand so mrs bloxham leaned over her and studied it very carefully i'm not a great and at ridden mum if the truth be known but that certainly is a five a whole year mrs amherst repeated where can the letter have been she read it then and it was as follows dear old lady i can't pretend to have been much of a letter writer during the last year and i'm ashamed of myself the truth is that i've made an oath to myself not to let you know anything until i've brought a deal off here what i wanted to do was to make my pile turn up unexpectedly in cheltenham give you the fright of your young life and then make you a duchess as you ought to be but i've had the worst of bad luck over and over again tantalizing isn't the word for it if things hadn't at times gone so astonishingly well i'd have given it up and come home to england long ago but i've so nearly brought it off once or twice that i can't make up my mind to leave it i was on to a wonderful thing three months ago and then what did i do but tumble down with diphtheria here in san francisco and another fellow got the chance i'm all right now and there's some land prospecting down south near a little place los angeles get out the map and look for it that promises fine hold on for a while yet and i'll astonish you still one fine morning i don't like to be beaten i'm enclosing a photo i've had taken here you'd hardly recognize your promising son would you i'm fit as anything now and it may be it won't be long before you see me i was pleased to see from your last letter that you are keeping well and are happy the address on your paper is polchester don't know the place but gather you are still living in cheltenham isn't polchester the place where there are some cousins of ours perhaps you're staying with them you don't say glad you're stopping on at cheltenham where you've got plenty of company don't be lonely old lady so long for the present and look out for me any day your loving son brand she sighed deeply as she finished it then she read it through clearly you see mrs bloxham she said as though that lady had read the letter i didn't want him to think i'd left cheltenham it might have fussed him and i was thinking that i might return there at any time i left them this address in the post office there i don't know wherever this letter can have been she spelt out the envelope again it's because he's written the address so badly careless boy try chippenham not known here i should think not it must have been lying in the post office for months isn't that too bad then she gazed and gazed at the photograph she would of course have known him anywhere but how he had filled out how he had broadened and thickened and strengthened he looked well he was the handsomest man on earth he may come any minute mrs bloxham i knew he hadn't forgotten me whatever they might say he's coming back a rich man is he indeed mum said mrs bloxham and here's your tea mum and it'll get cold if you don't drink it 
she lay back bathed in a luxury of happiness she could think at first of nothing but her joy in being in touch with him once again she lay there smiling lost in happy dreams but when she had dressed new thoughts came to her that letter had been written a year ago he had had diphtheria what might not have happened in the intervening year a whole year and there had not been a line from him that sense of fear she had had ever since her meeting with mr agnew a sense that some danger was tracking her and was drawing like a furtive but determined animal ever nearer and nearer came close to her now she was to be tantalized with the letter it was to be a sign to her that she was never to see him again his last farewell letter to her what is the matter with me now she said to herself i was never like this before something new has come into this house i never doubted but that he was coming back to me and now when i have this letter at last after so long waiting it seems to tell me i shall never see him again she gazed and gazed at the photograph oh god give him back to me she prayed i don't think i can go on alone much longer i'm so tired of being alone give him back to me and then struggling against her stronger more rebellious spirit added thy will be done mrs bloxham came in very greatly disturbed there's that poor miss bellringer she said crying something pitiful she says she's frightened of something mrs payne has been in and upset her she says it's her art and her back's hurtin or something shameful poor warm she's not long for this world if you ask him my opinion mrs amherst was not herself feeling her strongest all the excitement of the last two days and the lack of sleep had made her as she used chaffingly to confess to her friends a little weak in the knee but the sight of mrs bloxham's good-natured face so truly disturbed touched her deeply she went at once crossing the passage into may Beringer's room entering she was aware sharply once more of a sense of danger she was not an imaginative woman nor one given to nervous fears she had pluck and courage fortified by utter belief in powers that could put all the battalions of evil to ignominious flight but she was weary and unstrung she stopped on the threshold her eyes went instinctively as though they were guided to the mantelpiece the red amber was not there she looked then at the bed miss beringer propped with pillows was sitting up her woolen waistcoat tied by the sleeves around her thin and bony neck her long flushed face was yellow and drawn one arm was thrown over the dog which lying full length on the bed was crouched close to her side in the other she held the red amber mrs bloxham standing beside the bed was uttering consoling words and offering some beef tea on the little battered black japanned tray the fire was not lit the room was very cold and dark now do my dear mrs bloxham was saying drink this nice beef tea you'll feel a different woman when you've drunk it i'll take the dog for a run no said mrs beringer holding the dog closer to her you've taken him out once this morning thank you i don't wish him to go again thank you very much she drank the beef tea as though she were thinking of something else well if you don't mind me saying so miss continued mrs bloxham it really isn't healthy to have that dog on the bed with you it isn't really miss not that it isn't a clean little dog but dogs is dogs no thank you mrs bloxham and ere's mrs amorous come to cheer you up 
why bless you you'll be right as tuppence to-morrow you see if you ain't don't you let yourself get downhearted keep up your spirits the sun will be shining to-morrow morning thank you mrs bloxham i'm sure it will answered miss beringer patiently is there anything else i can do for you while i'm at it i'll just be getting bloxham's dinner and i'll be back in a jiffy thank you mrs bloxham there's nothing else i want thank you mrs bloxham departed mrs amherst came then and drawing a chair sat down beside the bed do you mind my coming in for a little she asked you needn't talk if you don't want to i always think a little company's pleasant when you are not feeling well but i do want to talk may beringer said she put the piece of amber on the bed beside her and caught mrs amorous hand do you mind my holding your hand do say if you mind why of course not mrs amorous said gently now tell me what's the matter don't you think you ought to see a doctor oh a doctor can't do anything her hand shook in mrs amorous grasp it's that woman next door who's killing me what woman mrs payne yes may beringer's voice sank to a whisper speak softly she can hear what we say but of course she can't mrs amherst reassured her there's a thick wall between no but she can walls are nothing to her it's fate she's going to finish me she made me miss that train yesterday what train i was going away and i got to the station and i missed the train she knew i'd come back but this was not at all the kind of talk with which mrs amherst clear cool brain could have patience now that's really nonsense she said smiling and patting may beringer's hand you're ill or you wouldn't have ideas like that in your head you've had ideas about mrs payne since the first moment you saw her of course mrs payne is a little odd she's not quite like other women but she doesn't mean any harm why i've lived in this house for months and months with her and she's never done any one any harm that's because may beringer whispered feverishly you haven't got anything that she wants what do you mean asked mrs amherst feeling in spite of herself the darkness of the room and a kind of foggy chill that seemed to hang like a mist about the bed it's my piece of amber she wants may beringer went on and she's not going to have it never 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 not if i die to prevent her mrs amorous leaned forward and stroked her friend's forehead dear miss beringer you mustn't imagine things like that truly it's only because you're not well now let me arrange your pillows and make you more comfortable may beringer began to cry a weak helpless sobbing you don't understand she said as the tears trickled down her cheeks you think it's absurd because you don't know how people can want things you're good and you wouldn't take anything that belongs to somebody else but she's bad and she isn't right in her head either she was in here and said if i gave her it she would leave me alone she was in here when was that the night before last that's why i meant to go away she frightened me so oh you don't know how frightening she can be when she looks at you with her black eyebrows and smiles she's going to kill me if she can't get it mrs amorous looked about the room her small lined face wrinkled with surprise she said that that she would leave you alone if you gave her that piece of amber yes she did indeed she's quite crazy to have it she says it belonged to her before it belonged to me as though dear jane didn't give it to me after buying it herself from mr faithner in exeter then she must be mad mad and wicked too mrs amorous was trembling with indignation why that's as bad as being a thief 
she is a thief said may berringer she'd take it at once if i were alone in the house but she knows that mrs bloxham and you know it's mine she is a thief i can't understand it lucy amherst went on anyone wanting anything like that of course i like to have nice things but i wouldn't take somebody's why it's truly wicked and that's only a bit of stone or something it isn't as though it were alive what is it made of really i don't know said may berringer looking at it tenderly as it lay there on the counterpane i think the chinese find it on the seashore or something but i'm not certain about its not being alive you will think me very silly mrs amherst but i'm an old woman and have lived a long time and i sometimes think that things are more alive than people when you've put a lot of feeling into something don't you give it a sort of life it may be grateful you know for your being so fond of it of course that's very fanciful and perhaps it isn't very religious but one gets queer fancies when you're old jane she was my dear friend you know said when she gave it me that it had some of her heart in it and i think perhaps it has i know that wicked woman can kill me first before she gets it from me she was trembling all over and lucy amorous touched with pity put her arm about the thin bony body now you're not going to feel frightened any more i'm here and i won't let her touch you i'm going to speak to her and give her a piece of my mind <gasps> oh no you mustn't do that may berringer said straight up in bed you don't know what she will do to you you mustn't indeed you mustn't lucy amorous smiled she can't hurt me dear there is someone will protect us both stronger than agatha Payne. now how do you feel in general is your back hurting you it isn't my back so much as my heart put your hand here and just feel how it jumps mrs amorous placed her hand against may berringer's breast and felt the strange irregular beat it seemed to jump like an animal in prison and then altogether to die away well i think you ought to see a doctor she said nodding her head decisively i know a very nice one let me tell him to come in this afternoon but may berringer shook her head vigorously no no she said i had a doctor once in exeter and he said i must wear spectacles and so i did for two years and there wasn't anything the matter with my eyes at all i don't believe doctors know a thing more than we do ourselves they are all humbugs if you ask me she was energetic there was some colour now in her cheeks lucy amorous visit had done her good i must leave you now for a little i'll come back in the afternoon oh you will won't you may berringer's eyes were beseeching you are so good to me i'm sure i don't know why nonsense lucy amorous bent down and kissed her you sleep for a little and you'll feel ever so much better i don't want to sleep i have such dreams you won't this time you try and see she went back to her room and thought it out her principal feeling was one of anger and indignation with agatha Payne. she had never heard anything so wicked and so cruel to frighten and bully that poor old thing simply because she wanted that toy the fact that may berringer had really been to the station and tried to escape by the train brought it all home to her most vividly never would she have embarked on such an adventure had she not been most truly frightened frightened by that wicked old woman lucy amorest ate her frugal luncheon then knocked at agatha payne's door there was no answer so she waited for a little and then knocked again now there was some sound from within and she entered the atmosphere was so close that she stayed for a moment by the door 
a very large fire was burning the room was exceedingly hot agatha payne was sitting at the table playing cards she gazed intensely she did not look up her lips moved she sat hunched her dress pulled up to her knees her hands holding a card hung hovering over the table mrs amherst was frightened for some unaccountable reason she wanted to turn and go straight back to her room again she had never been frightened in mrs payne's room before it was perhaps the heat and absence of any air excuse me agatha she said i want to speak to you a moment mrs payne did not look up she bent forward touching the cards as they lay on the table this angered mrs amherst she forgot her fear she came forward close to the table excuse me she said again but i must speak to you it is something of importance mrs payne laid the card in her hand carefully on the table and then looked up what is it she asked how strange she looks mrs amherst thought her large black eyes dull like pools of ink were expressionless her big heavy body was lurched together as though with a slight push it would tumble forward and lie like a heap of clothes on the floor she had the air of someone who had been drinking i have been seeing miss beringer mrs amherst said she is very ill very seriously ill what have i to do with her asked mrs payne her body was galvanized into energy she turned round in her chair and her eyes filled with a strange brooding expectancy life had struck there as light strikes a pool you have this to do with her said mrs amherst indignantly that you have been in there and something you have said to her has frightened her she is easily frightened and her heart is bad you must leave her alone or i will have a doctor here who will make you indeed said agatha payne looking at the little woman with a deep and slow contempt who says that i frightened her she says so herself she has an idea in her head that you want to steal something of hers i can't believe that of you but sick women have strange fancies she has done you no harm why don't you leave her alone leave her alone mrs payne laughed the silly old fool silly old fools both of you a pair of sentimental old women you with your precious boy and she with her dog she turned contemptuously back to her cards mrs amherst flushed angrily you leave my son alone she answered and you leave miss beringer alone too from what she tells me you're no better than a thief thief is it said agatha payne looking at the cards now you leave me alone lucy amherst and mind your own business or it will be the worst for you it is my own business mrs amherst answered the woman is sick and has no one to care for her if you go near her room again i'll i'll, I'll call for the police you will will you mrs payne laughed and what we'll have the police to do with it you'd look fine and silly with the police coming in you'd have them arrest me i suppose and for what for going into that idiot's room to see whether she wanted anything that's all i get for my kindness she got up slowly from the table and moved over to the fire her thick heavy body seemed to tower over the rest of the room now look here lucy amherst she said you mind your own business i've stood you long enough poking your nose in here where you're not wanted i've not interfered with you have i well then leave me to myself you may say what you like to me mrs amherst answered i'm not afraid of you but that poor woman's life is in danger give her another fright and with her heart as it is 
anything can happen and then you will be a murderess as well as a thief she paused her breast heaving with indignation agatha payne seemed to quieten she stared beyond mrs amorous to the far spaces of the room she is so bad as that is she she said gruffly well what does it matter you are sentimental lucy as always she is old she is sick she is penniless we are all old and sick and penniless three old sick penniless women do you know that there are other old women thousands of them who have homes and friends and money perhaps they are happier than us perhaps they are not perhaps although they have all those things there are others who are waiting for them to die waiting for their places they are tiresome they have memories only of a time that others do not know they admire things that all the others think absurd with old age it is always the same after seventy the sooner you go the better with every one it is so but with us how sentimental to pretend that we should live we are not happy we make no one else happy this old woman in the next room she is always complaining and crying and suffering it would be a kindness if i were to go now and put my hand round her neck and choke her you believe in another life where she will be happy and play on a harp and yet you hinder her from going there it is your sentiment but in the end you are more cruel than i you speak like that said lucy amorous and yet although you are old like her you would give everything to have something of hers a piece of coloured stone that is nothing nothing at all speak of what you understand agatha answered almost amiably what do you know of lust or desire for anything you have never felt passion with your milk-and-water religion and your sentimentality if i were to know that i had only half an hour more to live i would want the sensation of owning that beautiful thing beauty you wouldn't know the meaning of the word she slumped down into the rocking-chair and with her back to mrs amorous rocked there kicking her shoe in the air to that broad back bulging between the bars of the chair lucy delivered her last words you must leave her alone whether i am sentimental or not i will see to that then she left the room she felt the cool even chilly air of the passage refreshing after that close heat she would not think of herself there was something in that woman's words that had struck deep into her heart but that she kept away from her she was tired worn out she went into her room and lying down slept it was evening when she woke her room was dark she stared about her at first not remembering where she was then recollecting she started up blaming herself that she had neglected that poor woman she lit her candles brushed her hair and washed her face she took a story of grace aguilar's from the shelf then hurried into the other room may beringer was lying down the piece of amber in her hand pip beside her the room was cold and had a faint thin light oh i'm so sorry mrs amorous cried i have been so long away how are you now better i tried to get up but my back hurt so miss beringer's tearful voice answered her i thought you were never coming soon mrs amorous had made the room bright again the fire was lit the candles shone the kettle boiled and there was a hot cup of tea but may beringer's face did not change she seemed forever to be listening for something she drank the tea suffered her pillows to be shaken and her sheets smoothed then mrs amorous sat down beside the bed 
now she said that's better i have brought a book i thought you might like such a pretty story do you like to be read to ah yes said may beringer shall i read a little of it yes please you don't hear anything do you hear anything no of course not now i'll begin are you quite comfortable yes thank you chapter one end of chapter nine